Hello, you're listening to the Lebanon Valley Express podcast. This podcast comes to you from Lebanon Valley College's Storytelling for Digital Media class in the Department of Design, Media, and Technology. Students in the class have assembled stories for you about barriers, breakthroughs, challenges, and changes. I'm Mary Pettis, their professor and host of the podcast. Welcome to the second episode of the Lebanon Valley Express podcast. In this episode, Jump Into the Fear, Jared, Alyssa, and Mackenzie talk about being put in scary situations and having to overcome their fears. In this first story, Jared talks about a quick trip to park his car that doesn't end so well. For this story, let's go back to my first semester freshman year of college. It felt like the first time in my life where the world saw me as an adult and I could do whatever I wanted. I could stay out as long as I wanted. I could go wherever, whenever, just because I felt like it. And it was the first time I had this much freedom. And along with the fact that I was starting to get a hang of college and began to enjoy myself, it was a good time. However, college wasn't really like the movies. I couldn't always do whatever I wanted. I had responsibilities now, too, like the fact that I couldn't park my car behind the dorm that I lived in during the week, only weekends, which most people would say is sucky because the resident student parking was so far away. So that meant every Sunday night, if I parked my car behind my dorm during the weekend, I would have to leave and park my car across campus in the freshman parking lot later that night. On this particular Sunday, my friend Dalton and I had been up late doing our homework for our stupid accounting class that was so hard and took till midnight. We had just finished, and finally, the night was over. I could chill. But wait, yeah, I still had to move my car and walk back from the parking lot. Dalton, being the good friend he was, said he would come for the walk, so we hopped in this silver 2005 Toyota Corolla with Manual roll-down windows, manual locks. I hated this car, but it was my first car, and it always took care of me. It was my little slice of heaven, and I could play music as loud as I liked and just cruise through some back streets and clear my mind. All the places we had gone, like Six Flags and the beach, I guess I did like the car. We took off, and the thing about our school is we're in the middle of nowhere, and you never see anything on campus but students, buildings, and trees. But on this night, for some reason, it was different. As we were heading down the road to the parking lot, shortly in the distance, I began to see some odd shapes. I couldn't quite make out yet, but as we approached on the road, three deer were sitting in the middle. Suddenly, I found myself slowing down rapidly, but of course, being young and reckless, I was moving a little too fast to stop instantly. Then in a flash, one deer ran in the way. A second walked out into the road as well. Then it ran across, and last second ran back where it came from, which almost hit me. Just when I thought I was out of the clear, I looked to my right, and what did I see? Yes, exactly what everyone is thinking. A deer airborne in full flight attempting to clear my car my eyes got so wide again and then boom the deer hit my car the deer shot off the hood of my car and then the car finally stopped it was at this moment i knew my car was ruined 
I looked over at Dalton and he was shocked. Everything happened so quickly. At this point, I was just defeated. I had finished grinding out homework all night just to end up with a deer jumping into my car. I continued down the road to get to the parking lot. And when we arrived, I shut off the car and just sat there for a second, fearing the worst. I didn't know what my car was going to look like. When I got out, there was a massive dent right in the center of my hood. I pulled out my phone and took some pictures because I knew I was going to have to tell my parents something. I was too over that night, and on my long walk back, I decided I would bother. I wouldn't bother my parents and just go to sleep and tell them myself in the morning. The next day, I did my regular routine, but instead... This time, when I got to class, I sent pictures to my parents and told them what happened. I felt so stupid for ruining my only car, and it was this moment it really began to set in. My car was gone. As the day went, I kept realizing all the things I could no longer do, like drive to Chipotle or Walmart and drive to practice. What if my car never works again? What would I do to use... What what I would do to use those roll-down windows and drive through those back streets right now. Later that night, I got a call from my parents saying they would pick up the car and see what the insurance says in terms of repair. And yes, they viewed me as an adult too because I would be paying for it as well. Life was just splendid at this time. Boredom stuck on campus waiting to hear from insurance. This isn't the worst story of my life because even though my baby was totaled, insurance did cover it, and I was able to get a new vehicle in the coming months. It was this time without my car that I thought I hated that much that made me realize how much I appreciated it and how it was my lifeline to the outside world which just had been snatched away in the blink of an eye. There was one day I remember getting out of baseball practice on Friday, and every Friday we go to Chipotle, and I always drove. But now I was cramming into the back of my friend's car just to get there. After all this time, after all the times I could have been in my own car, all these moments of me needing somebody else or relying on somebody to do these things for me became a lot clearer without my own car. This taught me to be more careful and cherish my car no matter what. This goes for all things. You never know what you have till it is gone. So enjoy the moment. Thank you. Jared Copeland is a digital communications major at Lebanon Valley College. In this next story, Alyssa is faced with multiple unexpected events while babysitting. Before I go into the events of the day, I feel like it's important to give you some context. My mom set me up with this job since it was her boss's kids. I babysat these kids maybe three or four times before this day, and at the time, the kids were 7, 11, and 14. Plus, this specific day, the 11-year-old had two friends sleep over the night before, which was a surprise for me when I showed up. In addition to the kids, they also had two dogs, a Yorkie and a Vizsla. It's also important to note the property was huge and amazing. Acres of land, you couldn't see the neighbors from the house, and just overall never-ending house. So just keep that in the back of your mind as we get into the fun of the day. 
I got there at 7.30 a.m., which is never a good way to start any day, but I was told the kids would be in bed for a while yet so I could just hang out, so uh, I expected it to be a relaxing morning. I was very wrong. I had been there for about 30 minutes, just sitting on the couch, when all of a sudden I felt a cold breeze. Now, it was January, but I didn't know why the temperature had dropped that quickly. I then had a sinking feeling in my stomach as I realized the dogs were nowhere to be seen. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the one was a Yorkie, so he was small and he would often hide under the table, but the other one was a Vizsla, which is a big hunting dog, so she couldn't really hide. I quickly got up and went to the kitchen and then to the front door, which was hanging wide open. I had a little bit of hope that it had just blown open and the dogs were still inside since I couldn't see them when I stepped outside, but my heart was starting to race. I went around the house to all the dogs' favorite spots, but they were nowhere to be found. At this point, I'm full-on panicking as I grab their treats and run outside. I continue to circle the house calling, Harley, Cooper, and looking in the woods and fields next to the house, but there's no sign of them. I decide to call my mom. She answers groggily since she's still in bed. Lucky her, but she offers to come and try and help me. I go back inside to see if the oldest kid, Carson, is awake yet. Luckily, he's just coming down the steps, so I quickly explain what happened, but he offers no help other than saying the Vizsla can open the door herself, which is fantastic to just find out. And then he says his ride for lacrosse practice will be there in a minute. So I know I have no choice but to call the parents. I'm almost crying trying to explain what happened, but the mom doesn't sound phased and says this happens often, and that they're probably just at the neighbor's yard. I thank her and head down the hill about a half mile to the neighbor's house, and there the dogs are playing. I start calling them, and luckily, they seem intrigued by the treats I have and start to head my way. As little Yorkie is making his way through the woods to get back to me, the middle child, Gia, starts to come down the driveway to help me. Finally, by 8.30, we had gotten the dogs back inside, and I made sure to lock the door. I sit on the couch with the dogs to calm down after letting both my mom and the mom of the kids know that the dogs are back safe, and I wonder how so much has happened already. So much for a relaxing morning. Little did I know, the chaos was just getting started. As I'm sitting, waiting for the youngest daughter, Ella, to get up, I get a text from Gia saying I shouldn't tell Ella she has friends over. I kind of laugh at this, thinking, oh, she just doesn't want her little sister hanging out with her. And I decide I won't tell Ella, since eventually she figured it out anyway. Shortly after, Ella wakes up, and I make her breakfast, and we start playing games and do crafts together. That's when she hears a noise coming from the basement and asks who's down there. I don't want to lie to her, so I tell her it's her sister, and that's when she pieces it all together. Her sister had friends over, and they were hanging out without her. Elle storms down to the basement and automatically starts throwing a fit. Whining, stomping, standing in front of the TV, the whole ordeal. And purposely annoying her sister and her sister's friends. I try to convince her to come back upstairs with me, and while this works at first, as Gia and her friends continue to instigate by coming upstairs or making loud noises, Ella more and more wants to hang out with them and less and less with me. Now, you'd think this wouldn't be a problem, but it was. Now, fast forward through breaking up a few more fights between the sisters, the one friend leaving, and finally getting Ella to just hang out with me again, I look at the clock and it's time for my interactive virtual college tour on Zoom. I had originally told the parents of the kids about the Zoom, and they said it would be fine since the kids were used to their dad being on business calls, but 
After the morning I'd had, I was just hoping the chaos would stay at a low roar for the hour or so I'd be on the call. Maybe I'd even have the chance to ask a question or two on the Zoom. Ella was next to me drawing, which I expected was a good thing until she told me she was going to give the picture she drew to Gia and her friend. I figured we were getting somewhere, and I asked her what she had drawn. When she showed me, I realized we weren't getting anywhere. On it was written, I hate you, and an X drawn over what she had drawn of her sister. I told her it wasn't very nice and that she couldn't give it to her sister. She didn't like this response and ran upstairs to her room, screaming bloody murder. And when I say screamed, I mean screamed like I had never heard before. And then she slammed her door. I thought it was best to let her cool off a little, but after she opened her door, screamed, and then slammed it again a few more times, I decided it was unacceptable. I went upstairs and I told her that I wanted to talk to her. She, of course, didn't want to talk to me, which she made very clear with more yelling and screaming. So I told her when she was ready to talk, I'd be downstairs. After a few minutes of silence and focus on my Zoom, as they're just starting the tour, Ella comes downstairs, and while she is looking at me very angrily and doesn't want to talk yet, she at least isn't screaming, so I don't push anything and just give her space. Now, just when things are finally starting to cool down, Gia and her friend come up from the basement and decide to go up to Gia's room. Of course, Ella follows. I know that Ella doesn't want to hang out with me now, but I still decide to follow her. Trying to remain calm, even though I was very over the drama by this point. When I got to the top of the stairs, I hear Gia telling Ella to get out, and when I reach her room, Gia tells me Ella knocked over a basket, and there on the floor is candy all over. As I start to clean up the candy, Gia starts calling Ella names like effing retard, stupid, and other names I didn't even know 11-year-olds knew, and ones they definitely shouldn't be calling their sister. To say I was shocked was an understatement. So, I continue my streak of being the meanest trick babysitter and tell Gia she can't be calling her sister those names. As I'm talking to Gia, Ella goes into her sister's closet and starts pulling clothes off the hangers. Gia and I both go in there to stop her, having to step over the candy to get there, which is when Ella picks up a chair and throws it at her sister. I luckily am close enough to catch it, but at this point I am done, mentally worn and super frustrated. Ella runs out of the room before she can get in trouble, but I follow. She heads outside. I pass my Zoom, which is still going on. At this point, I think they're explaining campus life or answering questions, but I can't even focus on it, and I follow her to the driveway. As she's riding away from me on her moped, she asks, aren't you supposed to be on a Zoom? Which I reply, yes, but I'm also supposed to be watching you, and you and your safety are more important to me. After following her for a few more minutes, the older girls start heading out for the indoor turf field in the barn. Yeah, you heard that right. And Ella starts to follow. I'm relieved to see the parents' car coming up the driveway before Ella can make it in the barn. They pull up next to me and ask me how it's going. At this point, I'm just trying to hold it together and not cry, and wondering what everyone's thinking of me, so I say, it was an interesting day. And then they drive and say hi to the kids, and I go inside. I'm trying to compose myself and decide, at this point, there's no reason to finish the Zoom, even if I did miss out on the free t-shirt I'd get if I stayed till the end. So... I just closed my computer, feeling defeated, and waited for the parents to come inside. When they come inside, they comment about me having a rough day and ask how the kids were. 
I tell them a little bit about what went on, and they tell me how Ella is never well-behaved when Gia has friends over. And I'm thinking, oh, gee, thanks for the heads up. They thank me, give me hazard pay, which helps lighten my mood a little bit, but after dealing with adventurous dogs, sibling rivalry, hearing words, and screams, I never thought I would hear from a little girl's mouth. I still can't bring myself to babysit ever again. Alyssa Warner is a digital communications major at LVC, and she's never gone back to babysitting. Conquering your fears can be even harder than it sounds. In the next story, we will learn about how Mackenzie conquered one of her greatest fears at the time and how it has changed her. Life can be hard, but it's how you better those moments to make it worth it. We all have something that we are afraid of, something that holds us back in life and moments in time. It's how we conquer those fears that make us who we are. Conquering your fears can be even harder than it sounds. On today's episode, we will learn about how Mackenzie conquered one of her greatest fears at the time and how it has changed her in her current day. The bridge jump of the summer of 2020. There I was, staring down at the water that seemed to be over a thousand feet from me below. The fear of having to jump off this bridge trembling through me. There's no going back now is what I continue to tell myself as I think of all the bad outcomes that could come from this. My friends are screaming my name, telling me to jump already. The sound of their voices seemed muffled, almost like there was water in my ears messing with my hearing. The wind causing the water to look rough from the high up as it slams against the jagged rocks near my landing spot. I look up to take my mind off the water and think about how I even got here as I lift my foot off the three-inch ledge. It was the summer of 2020 before leaving for college. My friends and I headed to my lake house on Lake Ontario to celebrate the 4th of July week. The day started off normal, the sun beating down on us, making it one of the hottest days of the week. My friends and I then went to the beach to tan and swim. We had then made some more friends that then ended up spending the day with us. One of them mentioned to me about how he likes to bridge and cliff jump and had told me he knows of a place we could go to. All my life, the fear of heights had taken so many life experiences out of the option. I couldn't go up to the lighthouse with my family. I couldn't go on roller coasters with friends. I couldn't even go on ladders to work around the house. Heights being my biggest fear made me hesitant, but I wanted to experience this and impress him and my friends. This seemed like the best way to get rid of this fear and experience something fun with friends. We then all piled into the car, practically all piled on top of each other as we head to the bridge. Once we get there, we then climb up a wall to make it to the ledge of the bridge. I cling onto the fence following along the edge of the bridge as I have less than half of my foot on the small edge. I stay there and watch as the boats go by, trying not to hit the rocks that surround most of the water below. I started to slowly shuffle over to the middle of the bridge that seemed to be miles away. Fear makes me tremble as I realize there is no going back without having to jump. I can't make it back across the bridge. I could fall again. The ledge is too far off the ground to jump back back down to, making me wonder how I even managed to pull myself up in the first place. There's no going back now. I continue to make my way up and end up at the middle of the bridge where the deepest water is with no rocks, knowing that if I don't jump directly into the spot, will end me in the rocks, continuing to make my fear worsen as I now struggle to breathe. Every what-if occupying my thoughts as the sun continues to make my hands sweat more and more while gripping onto the fence. The loud cars racing across the bridge behind me. It's now or never. I will regret this forever if I back down now. I slowly lift my foot off the bridge as I continue to hear the muffled yelling of my friends. I then step off. My heart drops as if it stopped. 
as I fall through the air that feels like minutes instead of seconds. The water crashes around me as I land, sinking me through the lake as my heart begins to relax. I swim to the surface and break through. I did it. I really did it. A wave of adrenaline and pure happiness takes over my body as I yell back at my friends in excitement. Floating there in the water seemed to make time stop, with my fear leaving my body and mind to never stop me again. I make my way over to the side to my friends as they rush over, giving me hugs and telling me how proud of me they are. We make our way to the car after drying off to then head home as the sun continues to go down as the sky darkens. As days, weeks, months, and years go by, the fear of heights never comes back to me. I truly got over my fear that day, making me realize that things in life can be scary, but the outcome is always worth it. Things take time, but eventually everything will be okay. Mackenzie Yingst attends LVC to get her bachelor's in Digicom in hopes of pursuing a career in architecture. A fun fact about her is that she loves to do adrenaline rushing activities to have fun. Thanks for listening to the Lebanon Valley Express podcast. Please visit our website for the episode list and links to the podcast. We're at lebanonvalleyexpress.wordpress.com.